the master is coming! The master is coming! That's it. I've had it with these mortals. Ready the seven deadly sins, for we will send them to Earth and render it to ashes. Uh, But master... Are are you sure you want to send the seven deadly sins? Uh... Fool, do not speak to me in such disregard. I am well versed in the seven deadly sins, and I know full well what they are capable of. Pride, otherwise known as breaking the panel. There exists in this universe no beings more full of pride, let alone unearned pride, than breaking the panel. Botched podcast, otherwise known as gluttony. Have you seen how many pieces of pie and pizza Dennis can eat? Not to mention how much alcohol they consume. The world will drown in cake and beer. Surprisingly, Pokemon Go podcast is sloth. But that's how that sly devil, Pokemon Joe, gets you. Little does everyone know that he's a botter, playing from the comfort of his own home. Probably the most second obvious of this group. Lust, aka FTH Beyond. Led by the now infamous Kurt. He shall ride across the land like a cuckapalypse. Geek versus embodies wrath, hating any and all who dare enter their sight or sound or smell or taste or touch. They are just the worst. Toy power, greed incarnate as they creep into each and every home and steal the toys from children. And collectors alike. And lastly, Envy, the blazing defender. Trying ever so hard to find another glimpse of Batman's dick. He will be forever envious of the fact that he doesn't understand how Twitch works. And as such, like an enraged gorilla, he will rage across the landscape, smashing all that he finds. Leading the seven deadly sins, we will send the most obnoxious of them all. No, master, not him. Yes, we will send Charles McFall, the rock god of podcasting, to lead them to war. And they will not rest until all have fallen before their feet. You, minion, monitor their progress as they tear this world apart at www.giantsizeteamup.com. Why are we using a website? Don't ask questions. Leave my site. <laughs> Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where we talk about everything that is awesome and sometimes the not so awesome stuff of the week. I'm Rock Out Podcast with Charles McFall. Over there, the man who has, has really dove headfirst into Minecraft because he's just a blockhead, Paul Klotz. <laughs> Blockhead, good, <laughs> good joke, good hey, joke, Charles. Thank you. Oh, it looks like you just killed yourself on stream again. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> that was that clip was fantastic. <laughs> that was. And you can find that clip over at Twitch.tv/soapboxgstu. It is not the time for plugs. You <laughs> I missed this show. Uh, Shut up. I mean, uh, the man who is secretly sponsored by Dropbox to hate on them, Phil Keating. I. Thanks for having me back for another week. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, welcome back, Charlie. We really missed you last week. You know, we just, it was a real tight, solid show with good information. So I'm glad that you're back now. Everyone's we happy. missed you almost as much as Angie missed that video drop. <laughs> we missed you like the desert missed the rain, Charlie. It's good to have you back. Appreciate it. I actually did uh, a text Paul uh, from two weeks ago where I was sick, and I said, "Hey man, your soapbox moment was really on point and really well put together." 
Uh, unfortunately, there's nothing from Phil that I cared about. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to being my wife. <laughs> <laughs> my wife. Uh, the 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 man who's here from the Blood Crow stories. He makes appearances at Dragon Con, and we might be auditioning him to replace Philip Scott Moore. <gasps> oh God, that's big shoes to fill. No, no, I only wear a size thirteen. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Scott? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm glad to be here. Cool. That is great. Love to hear that. All right, moving on. Take my. <laughs> Are you, wait, what? What game are you playing that you have to pause? What? I'm Who? not watching any games. Hey, hey, eyes on me. Eyes on me. I'm trying to read the article about how Anthem has already dropped their price after five days of release. Mm-hmm. That is. That's not a good sign. Now, granted, that's that's, that's only on PS4. Well, no, no. I mean, other great games who have dropped their prices recently, right after release, are such games as Fallout 76, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure No Man's Sky is free, you know, by now. But yeah, yeah. Fuck, and I hear just terrible things. Uh, it is Apple. getting shit on left and right. Now, who, who, Bioware makes this game, right? Yeah. And this was their make or break after Mass Effect. This was, yeah. uh, you got to make it or this is the end of your company. And, and for me, uh, for me, this is bittersweet because I used, to, I love the Mass Effect series. But after, you know, Andromeda, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so, so one small caveat to this whole price drop thing is, you can get access to Anthem through the subscription service that EA is offering right now, which mm-hmm. is like ten dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think that they're doing price drops already, because they're basically letting people jump in for ten bucks. That's going to affect your ability to sell a sixty dollars game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could. Or because I have also it's it, it's all like uh, Apex Legends is blowing it out the fucking water. Well, it's free too. You know what I mean. Well, right. then why 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 not just come out at $52? Well, I mean, it, you're always going to come out at $60. That's the industry standard right now. Yeah. For the dum-dums, like maybe one of my co-hosts on Botch Podcast who just bought it day one without reading any reviews. <laughs> no, they didn't pre-order it, though, did they? Well, yeah. No, no, no. So I have a couple of friends who are playing it right now, and the feedback that I got from them is basically the big issue is a lot of the fee- a lot of the reviews and stuff is coming out of critics that haven't played more than 10 hours. And this, this is not a, this is a kind of game that you, it's a loot shooter. You know, you're yeah. going to grind this game. Like I, I have played Warframe. Mm-hmm. Warframe is a game that is not good in its first 20 hours. It yeah. is rough. I will agree but, with that. I've, I've played a bit of Warframe, so I'll agree with you. Right. When, but when you're like 30, 40 hours in, you've got your whole baseline set up. You're able to make things – like you set your own goals. You go after the thing you want. You build it, mm-hmm. and then you get to play with it. It's a lot of fun. But it's, it's a game that has this huge, huge monumental barrier for entry, and then you get into it, and you're like, this is where the game opens up. I mean, the Warframe community jokes about how Fashion Frame, which is essentially just – you know, Getting the skins. unlocking cosmetics and stuff is the end game. They're like, oh yeah, no, it's it's not about the builds or the individual Warframes. It's about looking the best you can while you completely fuck everything up, you know? Right. And it's, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's kind of true. It's a game that, like, you grind stuff out because that's what you like doing. You know what I mean? You play that game to do that. Now, granted, Warframe is free to play, and I don't necessarily think the loot shooter genre is really apt for a $60 price point because people are going to be disappointed, but then again, there's a subscription model where you get access to all these EA games at ten dollars, 
And if you don't like Anthem, you go try some other stuff out for that month and then you move on. You know what I mean? It's not so bad, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty mixed. Say the least. But didn't you play it, Paul? I played the, uh, the beta a little bit. The beta. Okay. Yeah. I played it at my friend's house. I, pl- I cleared one dungeon and played a little bit of open world stuff. It's got potential, but I, you know, I'll be honest. It's not, Nothing about it made me just like fucking like oh I gotta get this game. It like looked this- a it looked a lot like just a reskin version of Destiny. A little bit. There's a little bit of that. And Destiny too, a reskin version of Destiny. Well, yeah. <laughs> not only is it a reskin version of Destiny, it's a back to the drawing board. Let's go through the entire development cycle of Destiny all over again. Right. And they and gave not, me that. Not change story. anything we learned in the first one. Right. They gave me Destiny 2 free within six months of it coming out. Well, there was all kinds of drama with that, too, yeah. But it, Destiny 2 is a fun game if it's your bag, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not a fun game if it's not your thing. And it, similarly, I just mentioned Warframe. Like, Warframe, for me, has warped my perspective on other loot shooters. Like, Warframe is so fun once you have a good build on a frame that you like. Mm-hmm. Like you just fucking tear through stuff once you're set up and you're unlocking new stuff that you're going to try out, but you have all this infrastructure built up so that, you know, like when, when you're a couple hours in and you get a new weapon, it's like, well, I don't have any of the mods for it. I'm not set up to just make this thing awesome immediately. Whereas me several hundred hours in when I get a new, like a new item comes out, like let's say it's a patch week, new mm-hmm. item comes out. I build it. I, you know, I collect it from the foundry I throw all of my already leveled up mods into it and it is immediately, you know, a fucking monster. Like it, it is doing as much damage as it possibly can do. And I get to try out like, you know, how it works with other things of my build and that kind of stuff. And I basically get to try it at its best version immediately, mm-hmm. which in other loot shooters, that is just not a thing. You know, other loot shooters are like, oh, well, you got this new gun. Well, you better do all this stuff to make that gun good now. And it's like, well, Okay. Yeah, you so better takes completely me- change up your strategy. Right, exactly. And it's like, uh, Warframe is kind of unique in that aspect. And it honestly, it ruins other loot shooters for you because other shooters are just not like that at all. I mean, I got I, I played, I put quite a few hours into Warframe, but I just kind of got bored with it. Sure. You know, and yeah. like, it got to the point where it was just too grindy. Yeah. You know, and this was, I think, last year. And I think I remember you talking about that. Um, maybe a last dragon con. Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely not for everyone. And honestly, a lot of my hours in Warframe, I started racking up a lot more hours when I was listening to streamers stream mm-hmm. or when I was hanging out with friends in discord, a grindy game becomes infinitely more fun when you're just hanging out with people. Right. So, you got something else to do, occupy your brain. You're just yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I mean, our, our Sunday night Borderlands streams that we did for a little over a month, if I was literally just playing Borderlands for that period of time, I would jump off a cliff. <laughs> I'm, I'm opposite. I don't play anything right. anymore because of fucking Philip Keating. <laughs> I, was, I, was on, I was on Mutant Year Zero, Road to Eden, and I was on, I, I'm 90% done with Spider-Man. I got the DLCs. Uh, and oh, I bought The Last of Us because that's the fucking best game on PlayStation Four ever. Thanks to Phil Keaton. And then this little bastard called me up at midnight one night. I was like, dude, we gotta do this Borderlands show you keep talking about. And he got me back on playing it. And now, literally, I'll come home from uh, work and while I was like, yeah, dinner's at ten or in twenty thirty minutes. I'll sit down on my computer, pop up Borderlands, and play for that thirty minutes. And that's all 
I fucking want to play anymore. So I'm the opposite of you, Paul. It's like I, I will play I will play four hours of Borderlands and think it's ten minutes. Sure. You know, it's it's my jam. And and, and I'm pissed off honestly a little bit because I love this game, but I was like, on Saturday, what do I do? Instead of pulling out all the other new games that I have to play, like, mm, you know what, fuck it, I'll just play some more Borderlands. Although Borderlands is a little bit is more story driven, so yeah, you can do get away with it there. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like Warframe, there's not there's a story, but there's no real story elements. It's just go kill things and collect shit. Well, like you said, it's Destiny style, right? It's like it's really yeah. about shit and building a better weapon and killing more shit. Right. Pretty much, yeah. Which, by the way, Scott, I need to have you play Borderlands with me someday. Yeah, let's go. I'm I missed out the last time we tried to do it, so I'm yeah, down. That up at some point. I've got the pre sequel yeah. too. Okay, as somebody who's sat in Charles's lunch rush streams, please play this game with this dumb dick. Oh, I died so much. Please, I died so please. much on the pre sequel. Someone needs to do something entertaining. Okay, please. <laughs> Are you not, you don't think my, you. my screams of pain is not entertaining to you, sir? I mean, he gets goo in his eyes. That's Watching you drive over a cliff into the lava six times in a row is not hey, Maybe three. Maybe three times in a row. It was bad. Hey, man, that's the show he wanted to make. Leave him alone. It's <laughs> all about the experience. It is rough. It is such a rough experience right now with that pre-sequel. So maybe maybe we can line it up to where we can move through that game together or something. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and Phil did cut a clip for me. I think it was you that cut that clip. Oh, right? shit, yeah, it was me. <laughs> I got yeah. goo in my... Philip will lurk in a stream until uh, you do something really stupid, and then all of a sudden a clip appears in chat, and you're like, no. Yes. <laughs> See, now that's what yeah. I love for. That made my day. I love that. Uh, other things that have made my day, the Detective Pikachu trailer 2 has dropped. And as much as I've always said I don't understand... The appeal of Pokemon, I don't, I don't get it. Some of the mechanics are really cool, but it, you want to talk about grindy, it's the same thing. Catch this thing. Feed mm-hmm. that thing, evolve it. Now you're done. Catch the next thing. Uh, but this movie, this is going to hit such a wide audience and get people who never heard of Pokemon and don't give a crap and, went and goes, that looks like an interesting movie, right? I mean, what do you guys think of this? I'm, I'm right on that tip because I've, po- I've never played a minute of Pokemon you know, don't really care about it, but I, I actually went back and watched that trailer, and I was like, okay, I'm about this movie. Hold up. And, uh, no. No, we got to pause the show. Uh, Why? Can we edit Scott out? Like, oh, uh, no, no. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Why? <laughs> Why? 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 Why do you want to say that? Because I don't play Pokemon? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. You said some pretty nasty shit in the pre-show. You <laughs> <laughs> got your dumb, your dumb dick mouth. Uh how dare you? Uh, yeah. And if you want to hear more about how I don't understand Pokemon, Pokemon Go podcast is on Thursday night. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, this movie, I mean, Ryan Reynolds, in my opinion, right now can do no wrong. I mean, he does such amazing. I watch, I find myself watching those stupid Toon Blast commercials because he's so goddamn phenomenal with it. You know, he, he just brings Ryan Reynolds to everything that he does. Uh, and the graphics whether he was in it or not, I think I'd watch this movie for the graphics alone because yeah, the, the mix of real world and the, the, the uh, CGI Pokemon is amazing. It's uh, wonderful. I mean, I it's I can't wait. That movie's going to be super fun. 
I keep looking at this link for it, and I keep seeing Mewtwo, but my mind says Me Too. I'm like, it says Ryan Reynolds, Me Too, Charizard. I'm like, hashtag. Whoa, whoa, what is going on with this story? Yeah, so everybody, everybody's hyping about Mewtwo, and that's cool and all, but I was hyping about Greninja's. Like seeing yeah, the green ninjas look look awesome. I was like, oh my god! Like, yeah, I love Greninja low key, and it's like, yeah, I'm super excited to see how that turns out. So, honestly, as fucking gross as Licky Tongue looks, that's what I love about it. It's like, no, some of these Pokemon are really fucked up. Their yeah. names are fucked up. Their history's fucked up, and they drew Licky Tongue like. Why would you ever go near anything like that ever? Oh, and I mean, the reason is because of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> what, Phil, is that your is, is Lick a Tongue painted on the side of your van when you go down by the middle schools? Oh, yeah, the van. Sure. <laughs> it's a tattoo. You know, area. I also keep, uh, I keep thinking that Mr. Mime is going to steal this show, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. he is going to be the thing of this movie. It's going to be Mr. Mime being hilarious is going to be incredible. I think we've seen the only two parts that Mr. Mime's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I think they're going to be good. Oh, yeah. I, I think we've seen all of it. Well, we'll find out. It's only two months away. I mean, May 10th is when this is dropping. So right. yeah, it's not like we got to wait till like, midsummer for this to come out. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a nice palate cleanser after we all see Endgame 400 times. Yeah, that was gonna be that's gonna be interesting for sure. Um Yeah. So this this redundant statement is brought to you by either Phil or Klotz. Facebook equals shit. And yes, nope. kinda does. Or Discovery, who brought that one? That was me. Oh, Scott. I was like, Scott, br- Scott, bring a topic. He's like, I got three. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> Bam. But yeah, you know, I, I I should have guessed with the really two and a half because this one's kind of not anything revolutionary, I don't think. So you're saying it's the third season of Blood Crow Stories? Oh fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm saying it's the the latest episode of Pokemon Go. It's It's the third season of Botched. Uh, That's just too real. Parry and thrust. Very good. All right. What is this story about Facebook here? So what it is is a look behind the scenes of the content moderators at Facebook. Um, That's a thing? Yeah. And, uh, you know, basically you've got the one half of people, like, first of all, they only make like 28 a year. So they're already getting paid shit to start with and you know they're literally watching hours upon hours of horrifying footage that we'll never get we'll never see um and you know they basically have to do like 400 or some uh, some insane number of uh cases per hour or something like that like it's basically i mean it's a it's a video sweatshop and uh you know, and they're, you know, people that are breaking down, having, you know, mental illness and getting PTSD and everything like that. And, you know, of course, at the end, like, you know, Facebook tries to spin it as like, oh, no, there's people, that, you know, don't overplay the mental illness. People, you know, like working here and shit like that. And it's like, um, no, no, they don't. It's I, like they're I, there because it's a paycheck. And yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you just you brought some co- corporate stools in to you know repeat your fucking you know your bylines and shit like that. 
Yeah, like the 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 takeaway from this for me was like these people get paid shit to sit there and look at the worst of the worst day in and day out. Absolutely. Yeah. To protect everybody else and and to keep the platform clean. Right. It's like, Holy shit, this stuff is bad. Like the, the opening paragraph is talking about a woman who's in training who has to literally like, she gets a blind video loaded up for her and Mm -hmm. she has to decide whether it needs to be moderated or not. And it's a, it's a brutal murder. Yeah. And, she has a breakdown when she sits down after making her case. Like this is in training. She's probably not even getting paid her full rate, you know, her full rate yet. Right, so right. this is insane. You know what I mean? And, and obviously of course somebody has to do this stuff, but you would think that like, this wouldn't be low wage work. This would be, yeah, this would be like high value work of people who are able to do it. Like, you know, like air traffic controllers, you know what I mean? Like, right. Exactly. There's only a, a certain subset of people that have the the mental faculties to do something like control air traffic. Well, and, I f- feel like this is similar. Like you gotta, this is brutal, man. Like yeah, and well, and one of them, uh, like you know, they were t- saying how like they've changed, and one guy, like, straight out said like, I don't think nine eleven was a terrorist attack. You know, they suddenly go into the conspiracy theories and everything like that. Another guy, uh, basically, like carries a gun on him at all times now and he's constantly rehearsing like exit routes and stuff like it the shit like that affects people yeah well you know and, and to this to this point uh, i tell people every once in a while and this is kind of a weird place to share this story but i've occasionally looked at some of the weirder stuff that's on the internet and i'm mm-hmm. not talking about the the funky porn and stuff like that i'm talking about like but that looked uh, well, stop, yeah. Stop winking. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked into stuff like Faces of Death, and and like one of the big things that came out of that was the the Chechen rebels killing Russian soldiers video. Hmm. And I'm not going to get into details because I don't want to traumatize anybody. But I saw that some number of years ago out of curiosity. I was like, people talk about this all the time. I want to see it, and I see it, and I was disgusted. Like I was, I was sick to my stomach. I was like, right. Why did I watch this? And then I. You know, I, I kind of rationalized it a little bit by saying, like, well, seeing something like this opens your eyes to the realities of the world. It's really easy to get isolated in our society and be like, oh, yeah, everything's great. Like, I've never I've yeah. never seen anybody get murdered before. Yeah. And then you nothing, see nothing bad can happen outside my bubble. Right. Exactly. And it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, in other parts of the world that aren't as safe as my bubble brutal horrible stuff happens and similarly a few years later or around the same time i saw like a a brutal killing by the zetas gang from mexico Mm -hmm. and like the cartel and it's like what they do to people is horrible it was somebody who had like narked on them like an opposing like yeah uh, like drug runner or something that narked on their organization and what they did i'm not going to describe it because it's horror it's horrific right but i was sick again sick to my stomach and that got that showed up on facebook man like somebody posted that on facebook and i saw it and i was like and that's the thing for all this shit that does make it to facebook like imagine the millions and millions of hours of shit that doesn't make there that people have to watch and filter out and then they can't you know like literally can't unsee that yeah yeah, I, I've taught my kids. I mean, my two oldest are definitely at the age where they can just – there's no stopping it. You know, my oldest son is four, about to be 14, and, and he can literally – has access everywhere he goes to internet, school. He has on tablet. He can get on his Xbox downstairs. We'll never know. Oh, yeah. So I took the thing to really hammer home, and I've shown him some videos that 
you probably shouldn't see, but it's just beyond that line of shouldn't see to, to scar and to say, okay, what's been seen can never be unseen. And yeah, that's right. Like, you learn when you click on a link going, oh, what is that? You will never be able to unsee whatever that is. And and going back to your point with Facebook, man, all these new companies, it, it's it's the Wild West, right? You pioneer new positions and then you learn. And what Facebook should be learning fast, especially from this story, is you need a psychological test. You need uh, somebody analyzing behavior patterns and knowing when to give people time off and pay them to take time off well, and, and, and refresh your brains because well, this, like the air traffic controller thing, you know, it's a stressful, stressful thing. Well, and the, prob- the problem is Facebook is now engineered to make you watch more. It's doing everything it possibly can right. to keep your eyes on Facebook. So, you know, and, you know, and, and let's, you know, Facebook's not the only one doing this. Every company has twice the people. And yeah, or, yeah, everyone, you know, every company has their low rate wage people that they pay to do shit work. Yeah. Why, why, are, why are they not using an algorithm for this? Because you can't. You can't detect horrific atrocity through an algorithm. Well, I mean, if don't they use an algorithm over at YouTube that then instantly pulls anything that's close, and then a human goes in there and has to review it? Yeah, but even then, like the algorithm fucks up a lot. That's why you had like the YouTube adpocalypse. Yeah, like that is the algorithm gets you know like they turn up the the settings or whatever, and it starts taking down viable entertainment but because yeah. it had one note of a song in it yeah you know it, it so it's well, yeah it, it's a balancing act any of that stuff too i mean look at all the stuff uh, we talked about it, i think in the past briefly on the show there's all this scandalous content created for children right mm-hmm. to get views and stuff that is like super sketchy like there's animated stuff that is like weird oh, stuff you, is being slipped you, in have you seen this thing on facebook now that uh there's supposedly some uh youtube content creator and it's and i didn't get the name of it but it was it was some i saw on someone's wall but basically like it tells little kids like how to kill their parents i did hear that that is a thing right now and like if they and if they tell their parents they watch the video then they're gonna go kill them and shit like that okay for the folks who can see the video our patrons philip keating looks really sketched out right now like he's like what we are losing internet permanently dude that no kidding man i stay on top of the youtube with my my little ones all the time i try to stay on top of it i mean i didn't i saw i didn't share it because i didn't want to you know because that's one of those things like we see something horrible and then everybody shares it and then it gets more views and you see more horrible shit you know but i saw that and i was like fuck like i'm glad i'm not a parent right now and i'll be i'll be real doxing is a really really bad thing Oh yeah, but these people need to get doxxed and fucked up because that's some bullshit. I mean, in well, the they need to be reported to the authorities is what I think. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. that starts with doxing them and then doing it. Well, yeah, uh, but even even the good stuff. Okay, so Ryan is Ryan, right? Ryan's toy review, all that. My kid's been watching it for years as he blew up, and and he's great. He's great. His parents are fucking smart. His dad, I think, was in the industry, uh, entertainment industry, before they started doing these YouTube videos and realized what he had because it's a really well put together show. It's it's an amazing thing. The kid's great. The parents are great. But the other day, the rule with my two youngest ones is there better be a kid in the video, you know, and a, and a good, honest guy kid, not somebody sitting in the background. They've tried to pull that before. Like, no, there's a kid at the table back there. It's like, no, fuck yeah. Me. 
Um, but his parents did a video that was shilling 100%. And we know, they're honest about it, we know that they're sponsored by Legoland and Disney and, and fucking Walmart and all this other shit. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. That's life. That's how you make your money. But when Ryan was not there, the other siblings were not there. It was the two parents, and they were playing darts. And where they hit, they got to go. And they were trying to hit Disneyland, but they hit McDonald's. So then they drove to McDonald's and got. And I'm like, turn that off. Well, it's right. Said, no, Ryan's not in that video. Right. I get shilling through Ryan. And my kids fall for it a little bit. Oh, can we get this? Can we get that? We teach them. You know, you can't. Because it's on me as a parent to teach them. No, that's essentially TV. You can't believe everything you see, blah, blah, Right. But the fact that his parents just did it. And there was no apologies, no hiding it. It was flat shilling. I was like, hmm, that kind of crosses the line for me as a parent going, but that's not teaching my kid how to kill some, kill me. But still, you guys, yeah, I mean, there's been, there's been numerous YouTube channels that have basically exploited their kids. Um, there was one, I think it was last year and I can't remember the name of it, but like, you know, their whole thing, they were one of these pranking channels, but it was pranks on the kids and like you know and like one of the videos like they basically told the kid that he was adopted and not loved and everything like that and and it was a whole fucking thing like philly d covered it and uh well that's crazy because i just did that to philip like five minutes ago well you know (laughs) (laughs) philly d keating I hate the internet sometimes. <laughs> the internet is a horrible, horrible, wonderful, horrible place. Yeah. And, and, and the ultimate response, and we got off on the tangent, so we'll wrap it up and get back to the other stuff. But the ultimate responsibility is you as a parent. You have yeah. to teach your kids. The only way, you cannot prevent them from seeing it. So the only way to, for lack of better words, right, I'm just going to super oversimplify this, to combat hate is to fill your kids with love. And, you know, mm-hmm. fill that, replace that with knowledge, understanding, whatever, experiences. Um, so my kids know when they get into something bad. And they'll come down and like, yeah, we kind of didn't mean to click on this and blah, blah, Dad, blah. Dad, we done but, fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and Oakland especially, you know, I'm really staying on top of it. I, I, I've, and I know it embarrassed him. And he didn't listen to the show or I wouldn't tell the story. Uh, but I told him, I said, I, I was dead, dead honest, like, Dude, and we've had to talk about sex. We've had it since he was six years old. We've had different versions, more in-depth versions as he's gotten older. Mm. Uh, but I said, look, when you start looking up porn on the net, you come to me first because I need to show you the safe way to do this <laughs> and tell you what to search for because it is so easy to get into shit that will never be unseen and you will be fucked up for life, man. I'll teach the boy. I don't have to worry about Tumblr anymore. So. See, that's on my yeah. <laughs> that's on my uh, uh, the, the cyber nanny is anything with Phil Keating or imaginary nomads blocked. You can't get me <laughs> and Dennis would teach the boy about pornography. <laughs> uh, and well, I know he it's through an entire uh, botched podcast live show. <laughs> he did. Yeah. Uh, I know it might sound weird to some people, and they might be like, "Oh my god, you, you should stop your you can't you cannot stop your kids." I, I, from too doing, much access. You need to guide them. I'm not going to sit there with him. Well, here's some lotion, so, you know, it ain't that kind of shit. We're all tired, right? We're all tired. And this is the sock that we use. You only use this sock you leave it here. <laughs> if you use a different sock, your mother gets pissed off. Do not use a different sock. Right. <laughs> Recycle, reuse. <laughs> 
motorcycle. All right. Uh, uh, but back to what you're saying about these people who, yeah, honestly, we need some guardians in the world. We need some people to do that job, to look at some of the shit. And it takes a special person. There's still videos that show up on Facebook that have that cover. It's like, we've covered this so you can choose whether or not to see it. And I've seen people get shot and murdered. And, and that, face, that begs you to click it. It does, right? Which is kind of a, a clickbait thing. But I've watched it with my wife. And I'm like, both of us came up to the medical field. I've been paramedic for 20-something years. So when I see a gang, well, not anything, I don't, I don't think I've seen anything that Paul's been talking about. But when I see, you know, obviously something's about to go down the street. And then you hear shots. You see this dude on the ground with blood. It's like, no, yeah, I've worked that shit. It's I saw that coming. He's dead. Or, dude, y'all ever watch Ridiculousness on MTV? There's a half. Actually, it's a really good show. Rob Deerdeck hosts it. But there's a half dozen videos that me and my wife went. No, he died. That person died in that video. Yeah. And Rob actually came out one time and said, "We don't research these videos. We have no idea if they died or not. But you know, it's time for a commercial break." Yeah. Right. <laughs> he was being funny about it, but even he acknowledged no, that that dude probably died in that video. Yeah, um, and that's on cable TV, you know. So you you we need people to take out the worst shit. Did you along the same lines? Did you hear that YouTube took down uh, a bunch of anti-vaxxer channels because they deemed it too dangerous? Yep. Yep. Good. You know, and that's why I say, I mean, thank you, YouTube, for yeah. doing something right for once. Finally, yeah, they yeah. finally did some right. So there's all that. All right, Philip. Uh, Philip's just a big fan of polio, by the way. You can tell I get about paid that. by big polio. <laughs> yeah. Right next to Dropbox. No, no, no. It's not polio because right there's no money in the disease. There's only money in the symptoms. You get paid by the brace companies. I'm getting paid by big pharma to keep all these anti-vaxxers afloat, so I can make money off of. Never mind. <laughs> I, I got no connections. I hate anti-vaxxers. Dude. I just noticed you're in your game chair. Are you feeling the internet bullying? And and yeah, I did. Why, man? You don't like it? Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's real comfortable. My fat ass fits perfectly in it. I don't feel like a fucking manatee who's been pulled out of the water to put a red cap on to sit on this. That's not a thing. So. All right, Barbara. Uh, DC <laughs> Comics publisher Dan DiDio reveals that they will cut back on the comics at this uh, previous Comics Pro Summit that just happened. Uh, we've known that DC's been making cuts to its staff, uh, and there's been rumors flying that they're going to be cutting their comic book line down. Uh, and there was even a rumor that uh, was dubbed New 22, where they were only going to do 22 titles a month. But that's actually not true. But he did say they were going to be cutting it by 15 to 20%. Where's that number? Yeah, 10 to 15%. 10 to 15%. And just to kind of give you uh, some some perspective here, where the numbers uh, – there's some numbers about how much Marvel put on the shelf in December and January versus DC – and I'm missing that article, that, that part of the article, so I'm sure somehow I'll find it. But basically, Marvel put out 100 titles in December. DC put out 50. And DC's going to be cutting that as well now. Well, we've talked about this for a while running here. Um, there are not enough buyers in the market to buy 100 titles, let alone 50. Or, well, 50, yeah. let alone 100. Okay. Right. At four to six dollars a book every month, no, it's just not happening, it's not happening anymore. Um, and honestly, a lot of these stories are mediocre and you know they're, they're just spread too thin. 
I think all the publishing houses would benefit from trimming down their offerings, getting tight with it, getting more involved with creative, doing creative in a more collaborative fashion, like getting, you know, writers to work together to hand off books to each other and stuff like that. They do a little bit of that, but you can, you can very much tell when you pick up a book, like a, you know, a long running book that has been handed off from creator to creator. Yeah. There's a, you know, a noticeable market difference once you transition. I think they need to collaborate more. I think they, the crossovers need to be more well collaborated. It's everything seems very compartmentalized and everything up to this point. And I just don't, I don't think that's the future, you know, less books integrated more, you know, more seamlessly would be the best. Yeah. Uh, I, I was looking back through this article, the vertigo reboot has not been going well, although uh in dark horse part of the dc world didn't they yes yes it is so while dark horse i don't know how their comics are doing obviously that umbrella academy is fucking phenomenal on netflix and it's doing really well so there's a future for dark horse and the uh, tv movie media uh but yeah uh vertigo is not doing well um they scuttled my uh i never say this right is it machinima or machinima machinima Machinima. 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 There you go. Okay. That and their that whole company and their YouTube channel is gone. Like Warner Brothers killed them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Machinima. Yeah. 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 Um, so 81 and, and all 81 employees at that company get, are gone. They got laid off. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's, there's the writing on the wall and one of the i'm not gonna read this whole quote but the biggest thing that jumped out of me at me that the dio said was in 2016 there are 2300 comic book stores now there are 19 critical mass is 1500 and then you just can't do anything else and and they're them and marvel are doing it and it's just there's like you're saying paul there's just not the market there for it no I don't. They, I mean, oh, okay. Good, no, sorry, no, good. no. I mean, I'm no, 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 Phil, yeah. continuously reiterate. I mean, where was I at this point last year? I was reading four or five different series. You know, constantly going in every two weeks to pick up a new book, and I've stopped all that because I just, I don't, I don't have the time anymore. Where am I going to find the time? You know, and then even worse, you know, I was about to get back into Doomsday Clock, and that's put on hold for now right so it's just like i i don't know i i feel like they would have a better shot um trying to really get and we say this every fucking month but dc's really got to get on their shit about having their comics on the internet easily to get for people and i'm not talking on amazon and i'm not talking on their streaming service they just need to fucking make a clone of the marvel unlimited yeah mm-hmm. and call it dc masters or dc legends anything that can get a book in front of my face every you know six months after it's released i i'm i'm willing to pay for that like I'm some, willing sort of, to, some sort of digital subscription service that's all in one place like i yeah. fucking hate that i have to go here and there and here and there just right. fucking yeah. even if even if it's just like this is a hub that will pull everything in for me is all I want. But I don't know. I don't read comic books anymore. So I'm done forever. 
they they are getting a new life in TV media, right? Netflix, Hulu, movies, DC Universe, uh, Titans. While not for everybody, I thought did really well for their first outing. I'm waiting to start uh, Doom Squad or Doom Patrol, rather. Sorry, uh, until there's a few more. I like to binge a little bit more, so I like to build up a backlog before I start it because it is a week to week thing on on DC Universe. Uh, but I've heard great things about that, so maybe the future is uh, there is something to be said about doing a small amount of things but doing it the best that better than anybody else right you know um hbo hbo doesn't do as many originals as netflix does or hulu does but hbo is still at the top of its game with game of thrones and um i just lost it but i know there's other shows that do really west world Westworld and yeah and true detective oh my god i watched that first season i need to watch the other two i know they're different Uh, after the first season wait wait wait. philip are you trying to say true detective season one is not a masterpiece no i'm saying season two is. oh okay that's right yeah that's what i got was that it kind of went down anyway there's still when you think honestly when you still think hbo created episode shows you think award-winning shows you think epics and they don't do that many of them. And that's kind of the key to me is, all right, DC, pick your top 10 books and just do those for a year. And then put your resources into creating animation, which they do really well at. Well, I, I, okay, that's a little bit far. I don't think that they can make enough money off 10 books. But but they don't they have to make the money off the animations and off the TV. Well, yeah, but I mean, definitely trim down. Because that's the other thing is if you trim down far enough, you get to a point where people are going to be tempted to buy more books because it's like, well, I can get almost everything, you know? Yes. Yeah. So it's one of those things where like, if you market a product where you give so many options, like if there's only a handful of options, like say five or six, people will be like, well, I can get it all, you know, or even stupid stuff like a cell phone case. Like if you market it in like four or five colors, there will be people who will be like, I'm going to get all of those colors because then I can match it to my outfit or whatever. I mean, there's people who really think that way, not yeah. me, but there are people, but if you have 20 colors, they're like, well, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'll buy one or two. Mm-hmm. So th- there's definitely that point where it's like, I can have everything that you're putting out now for a reasonable price. I want it. You know what I mean? But then you, you just price them out after a little while or you just cheer volume time, all of that. So yeah, no, I mean, I think, trim down but 10 is a bit low but yeah no I, I hear what you're saying or go to a lesser cost platform which they have moved towards your dc universe does have comics on it mm-hmm. uh they have a partnership with comicsology uh but go to a lesser platform where okay 90 percent of the artists it seems like that might be a big number but a lot of the artists nowadays the standard is digital drawing not paper pen and paper like it used to be you know pencils and then inks on it's Still the same process, inking and everything else. But I know uh, Jason Pearson does everything digitally. He doesn't draw on, on hard copies anymore. Um, so you still have to pay your artist, but now you don't have the printing costs and, and everything else that goes into it. Now once it's done, the digital file is online and everybody can read it. And that's a low-cost, high-return way of, of doing comic books still going forward. And then does it matter, Paul? Does it matter if you have 50 titles on there? Because you're not paying a few bucks a month. 
Right. You find one book, you don't like it, move on to the next one. You find that one, read the crap out of it, move on to the next one, all for 10 bucks a month. Well, yeah, because then, then you run into this whole thing where how many of us have Netflix, Hulu, whatever, and watch everything that they put out? Now, that's impossible to watch. Everything. Then, then, well, right, but or even their big, like, these are our exclusives. These are sure. our, okay. You watch one or two things that, you know, generally in a month, you might pick up a new show or two if you're watching constantly. Um, a service like this, like people who have Marvel Unlimited are probably reading a handful of books. Yeah. Right. They're not reading every single book. So it's not like Marvel's missing out on like $100 a month per person that has Unlimited. They're getting a steady, and not to mention that the way they bundle it for a year, a lot of people are buying a year at a time. They probably don't read books for X amount of time. They're like, no, I'm busy. You know, work is crazy. Kids Uh are crazy, whatever. But then, oh, well, I've got my lull. I've got a couple weeks where I've got way more time than I normally do. I'm going to read like 15 different books all at once and catch up. Subscription models work. It's It's a reason why it's a tried and true business model. People will pay for stuff that they're not consuming. Yeah, you you will get money that you would not have gotten otherwise. So f- fucking lean into it, DC. Lean into it. Lean into it hard. Put your back catalog up. Let people dig into it, and yeah, let it, let them fall in love with your characters and, and stuff. I've said this before on this show many times. I liked the DC. Uh, for I'm I'm more of a Marvel fan than a DC fan, but I loved Green Lantern stuff when I started digging into it a little bit but it's not accessible to me. I'm not going to go on Comixology and buy all those books. I'm not going to take the time to, to, to pirate them. But if I could pay five to 10 bucks a month for a service that had everything I want to jump into, I would probably go check out those Green Lantern stories, especially the I, back. I have a stroke. I'm, I'm pretty sure I just blacked out. And did, did I not just say this about 10 minutes ago? Yeah, sorry. Like, yeah, we're coming back around. We're all agreeing slowly but surely. Yeah. Go back to smelling toast. You're fine. Yeah, but you bought a bunch of books that you didn't read. This is mine now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, And and stop including everything under one price, all right? So maybe an introductory price, sure. But DC Universe has a bunch of their old movies. It has a bunch of old TV shows, like the original Flash years from the 90s you can get there. Some exclusive, like the Aquaman pilot. That didn't do well, but you can't get anywhere else. You can get it there. But you can also read all these books. Stop that. Stop it. Find you a good price point that supports the books. Find you a good price point that supports the TV. And then make it all a cart. Like, oh, I'm gonna I'm going to buy the big package for a 10% or 50%, 20% discount, whatever. Um, Netflix almost tanked themselves for that shit in the early days of hey, this price gets you all these movies into your house. Well, they made it, but barely. But now, now they got smart. Now it's like, hey, you can get movies shipped to your house, and that's this price. You can get this level of streaming, this level of streaming, that level of streaming. You know, Hulu's the same way. They've got two different price tiers for what you want. And I think that is a better model than, what is it, nine ninety nine a month for DC Universe? You get everything? Okay. Right. You know? But I can't do that with Marvel. I think that's a little bit smarter on Marvel's part. I can pay... Uh, the last time I paid it was a while back, but $60 for the year to get Marvel Unlimited, and that's just books. And then I get to pay my whatever, 20 bucks a month or whatever it is for Netflix to get my Marvel TV shows and movies until it goes to Disney, and then you, know, you pay that fee. And it's it's spread across the board. Um, but cut, I mean, honestly, cuts are a good thing 
because it means they're going to survive. Hopefully, it means they're going to survive versus shutting the door. And that's nothing new about it now, but I think they got a shitty partner. Warner Brothers is not the partner for DC to make them survive. You're right. Disney is. <laughs> we'll all just eventually assimilate under Disney. Let's be honest. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, all right. This one's probably Scott as well. Speaking of Disney. <laughs> Neil Gaiman has some stories to tell. Is this a Disney story? So This is not me, actually. Anytime that Jim Henson news hits the internet, I have to bring it to the show. Good, yes, but you noticed something about the, the link? They named it Jen Hansen. Hello, I'm Jim Hansen. What are you doing here with the hand up my ass? Well, that's, that's just that's, spoilers. But it's a link. I know it's a typo in the link, but I was like, come on. No, they're doing off the no, I was gonna make like a, a second hand. <laughs> this is not Jim Henson Productions. It's the the Russian counterpart. <laughs> Jim Hansen. <laughs> no, so um I I'm a big Jim Henson fan, and I always have been. To the point where he doesn't, in my own eyes and opinion, I, I enjoy everything he's ever put out, especially storytellers. I really enjoyed oh, storytelling. Yeah. And it's coming back. Is it now? And Neil Gaiman of American Gods is going to write and produce storytellers. Now, there's not too much news on it yet, but just that, that little fact that Neil Gaiman has been in talks with the Henson production for a long time now because Jim Henson's daughter heard in an interview that he loves storyteller. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's coming at it as like not somebody who's just trying to make a buck off of the, the Henson, you know, legacy. He actually has some care and some heart that's going to be put into the show. And see, I'm a, I'm a Neil Gaiman, Gaiman fanboy. Yeah. I love everything he does. Um, I loved American Gods, like, yeah, the, the TV show. Like it was so. It's I was. I love that. I can't wait Back for soon. Yep. Um, yep, yep. So anything like I'm coming from the Neil Gaiman side. Like anything Neil Gaiman Gaiman does, I am down to check out. You know, and I was, and I grew up. You know, uh, you know, Muppets fan and everything too. So like hearing that is just it's awesome. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited to see what kind of weird ass puppets are going to come out of the twisted oh, mind God. of Neil <laughs> Gaiman. Like that's, that's another thing I'm, I'm st- stoked about because you know, the Henson production team, they're crazy enough as they, as they are, you know, and they're, they're geniuses and can make something beautiful out of nothing. And so mm-hmm. to have someone being able to write, you know, as well as he does and bring that to the table of creators. And, and, and wonderful. And, and he's like, you can tell, you know, he's, he cares enough that he's going to, he's going to put his spin on it. He's going to, you know, there's going to be some Neil Gaiman stamps on there, you know, sure. but he's going to hold true to the origin as best he can. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. Like if there's anyone that I trust to, you know, to take on any sort of project, Neil Gaiman is that, that yeah. guy. Sure. For me. No. I, I didn't see in this article, and I, I looked over it a couple times, um, where this is going to be, you know, once it's, it's completed. If I had to guess with his relationship with Stars, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll probably be a Stars production. Um, with that said, traditionally, HBO has had 
Right. Um, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any kind of um, Henson production normally goes through HBO. So uh, I keep everyone posted. And then you have the fact that Disney owns the Muppets. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're, you know, they, they can go anywhere at this point. That's true. I think you're. I think you're on point with those two places. I kind of hope it goes to stars because they've already dealt with with him before, and kind of seem like he's got creative, you know, creative control to do what he wants. And and, and I would I agree with that because it seemed like stars didn't fuck with American gods. No, you know, and I think if he had gone to HBO to Disney to any other of these big names, they would have fucked with it. Yeah. You know, and, and it wouldn't have been as, as good as it was, uh, you know, in my opinion. HBO might not have, because uh, Game of Thrones, like, when they were on book, they really only made changes that they had to make. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Now, the, the most recent season, being completely off the reservation with no book to go by, right. got kind of wild, and it kind of lost, you know, it lost sight of where it was going. But, but you I don't think- have a guide at that point. Right. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. And they're relying on the showrunners to to forge the path. Um, I, I genuinely think that HBO would have done it well and, and given it, um, you know, given it proper support. But yeah, no, it's one of the really interesting things about American Gods, though, is I really think that one of the because season two is going to be a real interesting situation because the showrunner left. Brian Fuller left. Yeah. And he also left Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, which was kind of a big deal because mm-hmm. it completely changed tone once his work was over with. Yeah. So I'm a little worried about American Gods, even though I love it. And we also lost, uh, we lost uh, Christine Chenoweth there, or Kristen, I can't remember if it's Christine or Kristen. Uh, we also lost uh, Gillian Anderson. Mm. They all left because wow. of Jillian left. All so right. now, in, in the case of Gillian Anderson, she played media, it's not a big deal. Like, because mm-hmm. it, that character appears as they can play, they can change, they can play off that. But, but losing Easter as well is really rough. Like it, we'll see how it all pans out, but it's like, you know, a little sketchy. So we'll see. But um, yeah, Neil Gaiman is like amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I expect anything he puts his fingerprints on will come out great. Yeah, it was, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, and we're going to have the, 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 the fake fanboy because if you're a real fanboy, you know better. But the fake fanboy crying of, oh, they've ruined Henson. This is so weird. They've done crazy stuff. Henson did some crazy shit. What has been filtered out in your memory and experience and what has hit the mainstream airways is the whitewashed Muppets that did not work when they brought Muppets tonight back. Or mm-hmm. not bad, but they did redid yeah, that. The, the Office Muppets. Uh, yeah, uh, and it didn't work because it wasn't Muppets. You go back and watch the original Muppet Show. You watch, uh, I don't know, Dark Crystal. I was about it's, to say, go Paul, go, go Phil, go Phil. So Dark Crystal, he wrote his own language for Dark Crystal and shot it and recorded it that way. And when he brought it to production, they were like, "No, no, how." This movie is already fucking strange. How are we going to sell this movie subtitled because you wrote your own fucking language? <laughs> and then we had Star Trek Discovery. So. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he's weird as shit. I mean, go go watch Labyrinth. Fuck it. We yeah. need some weird shit. We do. And so I'm just going to have it. I'm embracing it. I love it. I mean, storytellers did some dark things. They I mean, did. Oh, dark yeah. Like, it was, they're just some twisted ass fucking fairy tales. Yeah. You know, so I'm looking forward to twisted and dark, but at the end going, this is instant. 
This was hit to the last core. I wonder yeah. how I wonder how graphic this is gonna get. Cause you know, you're using the Henson name, but is it gonna be called Jim Henson's storyteller again? Is it gonna be called Neil Gaiman's storyteller? And then you have Henson working, you know, behind the scenes. What if it's it's Jim Henson presents Neil Gaiman's storyteller? I think they've been doing that recently, so that's not really out of the question. Yeah. I feel like I don't know how, like, because, I mean, as much as Neil Gaiman does a lot, he doesn't seem to insert himself on a lot of projects. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't think you would hear, like, Neil Gaiman storytellers. I think it, it'll probably be more focused on the Henson name. I kind of want them to just drop it down to storyteller and then just get yeah. real. Or they, or they might just do that, too. Like, I could see that happening. Yeah. That'll be cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break, you know, refresh the beers and hit the head real quick. And we'll be back with some more real cool, interesting real-life stuff in the fandom verse coming up next. Okay, uh, this is Mike, your post-production editor for Breaking the Panel. If Phil were here, he'd talk to you about uh, Patreon, and, uh, and he'd probably call you a dick, and he'd refer to this as a shit show of some kind. But if you, if you love the show and you love the guys, here's how you can help. Uh, go to Patreon, give us money, and we'll give you things in return. Merch! We, we have merch. Merchandise. We got uh, mugs, we got t-shirts... And there may be other things. I haven't actually gone there to look yet, but I know Charles has said the words mugs and t-shirts. So uh, it's tiny.cc slash GSTU merch. Buy the merch. Oh, there's a link on our website as well. So go to the Breaking the Panel page, click on the link, go to the uh, merch website, buy the merch, and we get money. So any way you want to look at it, give us money. Okay, back to the show. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed whatever it is that filled your ear holes in the time that we're gone. Uh, here's one that I found very, very interesting because everybody knows I've had a bone to pick with with uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. but and, and we've had some good discussions about it. And I've grown to understand it a little bit more. Everybody's conceded there's some issues. Well, this is one of those. I'll just read straight from the article here on Inverse.com. In the wake of blockbuster franchise movies like Star Wars The Last Jedi, Black Panther, most recently Captain Marvel being subject to review bombing by its users, Rotten Tomatoes finally struck back. Announced on Tuesday, the premiere movie and TV review aggregators implementing a range of new enhancements in the months to come that will clean up clutter, more clearly separate reviews from critics and users, and prevent user reviews prior to a film's theatrical release. Uh, and it's going to be timed with uh, Captain Marvel, who's already in pre-release, whose user score was hovering at 30%, more two weeks ahead of the general release, mm. which has always been my problem with Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm glad that they're taking steps to make it more organic, is maybe the word I'm looking for, more this is a real review versus troll bombing or those mm. kind of... Now, Star Wars, that's a bad one to lump in here because a lot of people legit did not like The Last Jedi. You know, no, of- but it, it did get bombarded. Like, Philip and I yeah. talked about it before it even came out. It had tons of negative reviews. Yes. Yeah, so, it got bombarded before it came out. Like, before it came out and before people yeah. took issue with it. 
And something else they're doing is uh, they're going to launch the first of several phases of updates that will modernize their audience rating system. I thought it was going to be something different, sorry. Uh, but they are also doing, uh, they're disabling the comment function prior to a movie's release date. I mean, that's uh, just prolonging. But, yeah. it, it, yes, trolls will still get in there. But to get in there ahead of time and write flaming dumpster fire reviews, I, I just... Well, and I've seen, know, I've actually know. seen some blowback on that. Uh, that, like, yeah, it gets rid of the trolls, but then it also gets rid of, like, previews and, and actual, like, comments that could actually tell you, like, if you should go see the movie or not. So. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, apparently, Brie Larson advocated for a more diverse press tour for the movie, and the fan reviews bombed Captain Marvel, and they and Rotten Tomatoes has now removed it, but if you want to see metric, you can click what to see. Apparently, they, they were trolling that button, as in not wanting to see it. And, and we talked about that last week. Um, I wasn't here. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, Tony made a wonderful point. Like, you know, she she said that she wanted a more diverse press corps, which is fine, but at the same time, it's just like, I mean, I'm just trying to make a living here, ma'am. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I got a family to feed at home, and you know, yeah. So it, he kind of changed my mind a lot on on that output. And that's good. Cool. I'm definitely you know looking forward to listening to the show in the next couple of days to see what you guys talked about. Uh, but this is a review that was deleted. And this is this is a good example of my ultimate problem with Rotten Tomatoes. This is not Charles, what it does. haven't you had two days to listen to the show, though? No. You want to th- we're not, we're not gonna, when does no? our show come out? Did, did, <laughs> so, this comment that was deleted <laughs> from Reddit is a great example of why I hate Reddit. Uh, and I'm glad they're fixing this. This is a quote. You cannot pay me to see this SW, SJW-laden, white, male-hating, worthless POS movie. I'm sick of this identity politics taking over pop culture. Brie Larson could get hit by a bus and I would not shed a tear. Nobody's going to pay you to watch shit, you dumb dick. And it's not even out. And nobody cares that you want to sit up in your goddamn fucking trailer fucking your sister and your brother oh, and not fucking watch a movie. Roll Tide. And I don't care about her goddamn opinion about diversity. You know, you know I, if I want an opinion of a celebrity, I would have put one in the Oval Office. <laughs> I love, I love how this is a male-hating, worthless piece of uh, piece of shit movie. Uh, but the biggest clip in her trailers is her punching an old white lady, right? You know? Maga. And there's, <laughs> sorry. Oh my god! But that's the thing is like, you know, the fr- that is a thing that triggers me is when you're like, you couldn't pay me. He's like, uh, show me where people are offering to pay you to do something that you'd be fucking horrible at, and we don't give a shit about anyway. You know, but Paul, what do you think about these changes that that uh, Rotten Tomatoes has announced? I think if Rotten Tomatoes wants to continue to be considered a reliable source of reviews, they need to clean this shit up. Bam! You can't say that any more perfectly. There you yeah. go. You know, I agree. I agree fully with Paul on that one. So. On to fun things that happened this week. 
Uh, the Oscars went hostless, which that is all anybody wanted to fucking talk about. I was like, they did it without a host. I was like, so we've moved on past the fact that they browbeat the shit out of. Uh, okay, never mind. We'll just move on. Fine. No host, but some cool geek fandom stuff happened. Paul, take it away. Yeah, so uh, basically, we're not going to go through the whole Oscar thing. We've made that mistake before in the past of going through award <laughs> shows piece by piece. But the big standouts this year were uh, uh, Rami Malek getting uh, Best Actor for Bohemian Rhapsody. We talked about that earlier in the year. A fantastic movie. Even if not historically accurate, Philip and I both agree that it was a really good watch, very entertaining, and you know, a nice glimpse into the the behind the scenes a little bit of what made one of the greatest rock bands of all time so special. And I, I want to always caveat that with the fact that the band itself wanted to show the greatness of Freddie. I mean, you can find out the true history. They didn't lie about it. They right. just admitted it. And and because well, yeah. they chose to show a, uh, uh, the side that they saw and wanted to fo- figure, ah, feature the uh, music more. Sure. Well, I mean, and a lot of the complaints about it are just, like, nuanced. It's not like they're misrepresenting. I can't believe he lip-synced through that whole fucking No, no, no we did that last week. Yeah, we did that last week. I did that whole oh, thing last week. I, I can't believe this actor is not, not paid for replicating one of the greatest rock vocalists of all time. Um, but the, the big thing, the big takeaway from this award is Rami channeled freddie like he became freddie and that's why it's an exceptional award like he deserved this he became a famous rock figure almost completely like if you look at clips from back in the day from interviews and stuff he channeled everything about him and it was great um and other you know other exciting stuff best animated feature went to into the spider-verse we were all calling for that we were like this is i know i said this is the best first of all this is one of the best animated things i've ever seen in my life Yep. Let alone, absolutely the best Spider-Man content ever made. Uh, Hands down. Uh, Definitely no debate. Uh, but yeah, not for. But uh, I it, mean, it did was... you not see Spider-Man three? <laughs> oh, shut! You can fuck, fuck right up. <laughs> I mean, are you telling me that you're not a fucking Bright Eyes fan? <laughs> I am, but not. <laughs> you weren't not a fan of the hair swoop. <laughs> Uh, other big news, uh, Black Panther did not win Best Picture. Thank fuck. Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a bold statement here. Black Panther was not the Best Picture of last year. Oh, Charles knows that. As, oh, come on! <laughs> as great as it was. Um, so I'm glad that it didn't win Best Picture because, honestly, I, I really genuinely think that if it won Best Picture, it would have brought everything the Academy does in a question, it would have been seen as a complete reversal of all the criticism they've gotten in the last couple of years about being like a, essentially a whites only party. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. It would have been pandering. It would you would have, you would have seen that as co- over correcting on the, Oh, court. absolutely. It, it would have. Yeah. And they, it, there's probably people out there who are making the argument that they pandered and that they overcorrected, but. Well, what, what was it up against? You know, well, it was it was up your your against your pretty typical. Uh, it's up your remember. Scott. That's what it was. Well, it was against like Green Book, which won a number of awards. It was uh, there were a few others as well. Best Picture is almost always going to go to an Oscar bait movie. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And 
Black Panther was not an Oscar bait movie. It was a, it's an entertaining movie that it has tremendous cultural significance to a, you know, a group of people in this world. And it, it's worth celebrating. It's a hundred percent worth celebrating that it was beautifully crafted, really well done. It, it really ascended to be more than what anybody really expected for it until it mm-hmm. came out, until we started to get that feedback, mm-hmm. but it is not a best picture film. You know, I agree. I agree. We're not talking about a film that is wall to wall, the greatest actors and actresses in the industry at the height of their craft. It's a good movie. It's fun. It has great moments and it has cultural significance. So I'm glad it didn't win best picture. However, it won costume design, musical score. Uh, that's Ludwig Goransson, who is uh, childish Gambino, uh, mm. Donald Glover's produ- production partner mm. and then production design. I agree with those. Mm-hmm the costume design and the production design were incredible. Like the way yeah. they channeled so many different African influences and brought them in also kept it on theme with the rest of the Marvel universe. It was fantastic. It was a beautiful movie, really stunning visually movie. Yeah. And uh, musical score was fantastic. You know, the soundtrack itself that has music made by artists was good, but the scoring was solid as well. I mean, there were definitely some exciting scores yeah. in that film. So Absolutely. really happy to see that happen. It's, it's, really refreshing to see a genre film get credit where it is due but i am super super glad it didn't give it best picture it would have brought everything into question it would have been seen as pandering for sure i i don't know if she even got nominated but the actress who played the little sister sure uh latita right did she get even nominated for best supporting actress i don't believe so she should have because she was phenomenal she stole the film and and I don't know what, obviously, what was in that category. So I'd have to, before I made a definitive statement of who would win, I'd have to see who she's up against. But if she didn't even get nominated, that to me is an oversight. Because, sure, while a lot of performances were great, maybe there's not a best actor in there, maybe there's not a best supporting actor, but she was best supporting actress, without a doubt. Nominee. Uh, Nominee, anyway. Uh, well, so that, that category is actually kind of stacked. Um, the The winner of actress in a supporting role went to regina king who is a established actress that has probably earned it a few times over and just never gotten it Uh, she got it for if beale street could talk but the other nominees were amy adams uh marina de tavara for roma emma stone and rachel weiss for the favorite the favorite was uh a big film this year it was up there with the green room or sorry, the green book uh, is getting nominated for a lot of categories and best actress actually went to Olivia Coleman for um, sorry, the favorite and uh, which I'm a big fan of hers. I'm really glad that she got some just uh, dessert there with that nomination. And, and those other movies you're listing sound like Oscar bait. They are They're. I mean, these are art films, you know what I mean? These are slow plotting art films. Uh, they're not the kind of film you go to to just strictly be entertained. They're the kind of film you go to to be enriched, if that makes sense. No, I got cultured. you. Cultured, yeah. Cultured, Charles. Cultured, Charles. I've, I've been cultured. There was In those films, there's not a hood in sight. So. Well, I mean, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> Scott, you, Scott is like, well, that's not like Charles's closet. Like, damn. I mean, Black Klansman was up for best picture. I can confirm or deny nothing. <laughs> Sorry, 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 sorry. That was a <laughs> low blow, Charles. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean that—that's pretty much where we're at with the Oscars. Um, there was uh, there's a couple other notable things that that weren't don't really fall into our like wheelhouse here, but 
Yeah, I mean... I'm just so happy because now animation has forever been changed. Oh, yeah. Crazy things are just going to come out of this. Because if Into the Spider-Verse hadn't come out, it would have gone to probably like Incredibles 2. It would have gone to Incredibles 2, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's... And there's honestly, Incredibles 2 was good, <laughs> but not... Oh, shut up, Paul. Shut up, Paul. Not, oh, shut not up. Philip. Shut up, Paul. Philip. As the only person on this panel. Mute him. Mute him. Mute him now. Mute that dog. Thank you. So, Scott, who would you have picked a beyond? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. No, the question I was going to ask, Philip, do you think Isle of Dogs could have won it if not for Into the Spider-Verse? No. Okay. Because... um, a Pixar movie was up, Paul. That's not how things work. And uh, Wes Anderson never... He's, Pixar shelled out too much money. I mean, he's never won. He's never won. He's he's always, you know, he's got 27 tuxes in his closet because uh, he always comes in nomination, never never going home. With the, I thought you were going a completely different direction. Yeah. That. I, I went like a 27 dresses kind of joke there that, that yeah. loosely fell apart as I kept talking. Yeah, I, I just felt like he had a whole bunch of tuxes that were creamed in. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> Mute that dog. Mute him again. No, no he's got a point, honestly. What? Dogs You're not even listening, shit. you dick. How Dogs was a shit movie. Oh, what? was it? <laughs> this what? Real. Animation is horrible. It's plotting. Culture. Culture. Culture, what? I love that you're trying to sell this opinion to the man wearing the red Steve Zippy beanie <laughs> as we speak. Whose who's yeah. mote is a fucking red beanie. Like, come on. Just because you love it doesn't make it good, Phil. I mean, we got Dennis because. Yeah, no, I love you, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. All the stuff we could possibly agree on. Why are you drinking fluids like your fucking Popeye? I don't understand this tonight. You yelled at me last week or two weeks ago for showing my titties all all time on stream. So I need another tick to annoy you. (laughs) Well, mission accomplished. Uh, So this is the point of the show where we do watching, reading, and playing. And what we've done this week, we promote our stream channels. Uh, I will start. If if you're okay with this, guy, I'll start with you. Have you been watching reading or playing anything interesting in the last couple weeks uh i mean i've been catching your guys streams uh that's awesome um uh (laughs) it's funny because you guys uh, you know uh, we talked about this pre-show but i've actually been playing a lot of overwatch lately um which i've gotten back into because uh i hear that's a universally loved and heralded game Yes, by a great company that never makes mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> like, can, can you hear that? That's the sound of the check being signed right now. Who doesn't own a phone? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but like a bunch of a bunch of friends of mine have, have gotten into Overwatch, so that's kind of lit the fire for me to play it again. <clears throat> and may I ask who your main is? Reinhardt. Okay. I'm I I'm a, and it's funny because I, I I listened to the last episode where you're talking about how everyone goes DPS. I'm like, no, I'm I'm, I'm a fucking support main, and, and I'm a healer. I'm a healing main in in Overwatch yeah. only. And it's I'll go I'll go healer too, like if team comp. Yeah. So I'm a big. I'm uh, with you there. I'm, I'm one of the, like I hate DPS. Yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not really any, any chance I get to smack them with my hammer. I'm a happy man. I fucking love it. <laughs> what you can see is on the shelf. I have a one of the only pops I have is a Reinhardt. I've got mine. You can't see it. I've got mine in, on my uh, shelf back here too. Yeah. I've got Reinhardt and I've got Coldheart at my desk at work. Yep. Nice. Um, so yeah, I've been playing that a lot with with friends. Uh, they actually dropped a new character, Baptiste, which is going to be an interesting. See if how much he changes the meta. Um, I've actually gotten into watching the Overwatch League. Um, and Atlanta just got a team. Atlanta got a team. It's doing actually well. They're two and one, I believe. So they're not they're uh you know they're not upholding the Atlanta tradition of of sports <laughs> so far. Um but yeah, I've been watching Overwatch League, which has been fun, but you know, I get I'm starting to get kind of bored of it. And uh but honestly that's about it because honestly I've had my head in a hole producing Blood Crow stories and getting that stuff going, plus you know, working stuff out with the band and everything. Now I get you. That's cool. Phil. Yes. Other than uh, uh, uh-uh. the Tetris 99. Uh-uh. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing else. That's no. it. Tetris. No, I've been playing Tetris 99 like it's my fucking job. And that's all I've been doing. You know, I tried streaming uh, this fucking game with toys. Starlink. Yeah. Starlink. I tried streaming Starlink and it was just like, yeah, this is fine and all fun, but like I can really just like fucking lay some brick right now, <laughs> um, and that's all I do. It's all I play now. I don't want to. I will say that's. In- I've seen some let's players watch that because I'm that fucking nerd, um, but it's actually interesting to watch play. I I I've had a stream up <laughs> of a dude on Twitch called Future Man, and that's all he plays now is Tetris. And I just sit here day in and day out, and I think about Tetris, and I just watch Tetris. It's just, you know, it's it's really what completes me. It's it's what I've been. It's the missing piece in my heart. This Tetris ninety nine until the lines disappear, and you gotta. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they will at some point, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta ride that ride and and push yourself to the edge, and hopefully, one day I'll get lucky and and break break number one but until then i'll just keep chasing that purple dragon um i'll probably get divorced um and 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 homeless but you know it'll be worth it you'll be you'll be in your boss rocking <laughs> then when the cops come, he speaks up. I hit my meth pipe. If that triggers, and like I keep slimming, like getting through fencing, like because I all I do is play Tetris, so I know exactly. You can shape your body into the box. I think that's it, really. Um, where can I watch you play Tetris? Oh man. You could if if you're an insane person, which there are some of you, um, imaginary nomad on Twitch is where I just I you know I play Tetris every Tuesday, um, and me and my wife have been playing uh, every Monday night. We've been going through Captain Toad's Treasure Trackers, but we're almost to the end of that until the DLC hits. So uh, so we might switch over to Overcooked Two or some other co-op game. 
Mm. But uh, check it out. It's it's good fun. And when Suzanne finally gets tired, um, I start playing Tetris again until 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Driving my mods into uh, the insanity with me. Ah. Yeah, we need to have a talk about respecting human rights and letting them sleep. Uh, you could give it to me in a formal letter. <laughs> Nice insight, Chuck. I appreciate the reference. Chuck was for four people. That was, that, yeah, and it worked. It hit well. Uh, Paul, man, what you been playing? Through? Oh, let's see. Well, you know, we've been, Philip and I have been streaming a lot, as he was just talking about. And I have been not streaming. Let's see. Not streaming. And last week, I've mostly just streamed Minecraft. Uh, Nicole0991, our resident mod and also a streamer herself, and I have been doing a duo stream. We have three episodes out. Uh, the third one I'm really disappointed in, so if you watch it, I'm sorry. But <laughs> uh, We've been playing Minecraft there. Uh, I will get back to Switch streaming. I think in the next couple of days, I'll throw up some games. Uh, but other than that, like I haven't been playing a ton outside of streaming. Like It has kind of become this thing where, well, actually, that's not... F- entirely true because i've been playing on the other streams as well so we played left for dead yep. two the other night uh yep. it's the first time i played that that was kind of fun so it's really nice to discover a game that's like 12 years old that was super fun <laughs> yeah uh but also we play uh sea of thieves last week over at botched uh i continue to enjoy that game and it only cost me like two dollars to get access to it to play it for a month so i was down with that i signed up for the xbox uh subscription thing but yeah no i haven't been playing very much uh i absolutely need to catch up on some television because everybody's telling me umbrella academy is the bee's knees and i want to check that out so i might check it out this weekend i'm i'm with you on that one everyone keeps telling me about that oh yeah people are likewise gushing about it so i I figure it's about time to dive in so that's where i'm at at the moment so yeah i've watched the first episode of the umbrella academy and it's the tits man it is it's just got this energy to it, even though it's a setup show, like any initial show should be when you don't know any of the content. It's a setup show, but it is, it's got a lot of potential. It's got me very excited to watch the other episodes. I finished The Punisher. Um, I know a lot of people on network are like, oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was okay with it. It did not rock me like Punisher season one, but uh, it was good. I wish there'd be more Punisher, um, but there's not going to be. I went. Oh, no. Shut up, Phil. I went and saw you talking about culture. I went and saw They Will Never Grow Old, which is the the documentary done by the Historical Society of England with um oh man, what's his fucking name? Peter Jackson. Jackson, thank you. He he his, the whole thing was like shut the fuck up. <laughs> the whole thing was that, that you had he had to use all the old footage. That's what they wanted. And and he approached it with just the the best storytelling ability of, I don't want to insert myself. I'm not trying to tell a story. Let me see what I have. And they whittled down hundreds of hours of footage and 60 some odd hours of audio. The whole thing. And I saw it. We ended up inadvertently seeing it in 3D because uh, my family wanted to go Sunday, but I was doing a stream Sunday afternoon. I really wanted to see it. So we went to a later showing. Which they only showed it twice on Sunday. One was a standard definition the other was 3d 3d by all accounts everybody who went with it agreed it was the way to watch this well i i I heard you say that on stream and i do have some questions for you if you don't mind me asking absolutely how 
I don't know. Yeah, because it's not like they were using 3D cameras no, during I mean, World no, War One. So that's all. Okay, so that's really the whole thing about Beyond. The, the amazing storytelling where you just get lost in the way they cut this footage together, but they colorized it in a very real way. And he talks about so this was a screening, right? Which is different than just showing the movie, where there was an introduction before by Peter Jackson. And if you stay through the credits, there was a 30 minute how they put this film together. And he talked about everything, some of the stuff I've referenced about his love and didn't want to put a voice in it. But they got a company from America who does colorization and they just spent hours on hours on hours, not just colorizing it, but he went to the places where the footage was originally captured and took thousands of photos and they got the different colors of grass. That's and, he got, and he has he has real uniforms from both sides. And they only covered the English front line, which was against the Germans. So he, he didn't do any of the Navy, any of the Air Force, any of the other countries because he felt like the story was the troops on the ground for what he was saying with most of the footage. Um, so he, but he had legit, real uniforms from both sides. So they could cut that colorization company came in, could see what it looked like and try to match the, the khakis and this. Uh, so they did a lot of colorization. And then on top of that, uh, he talks about how they had to figure out the frame rate. Some of the cameras were automatic. Some were hand-cranked. So you're getting 14 frames per second, 18 frames per second, sometimes 20, but that was rare. You know, sometimes 10. You know, and you had to speed it up just right. And he would show in the, the documentary afterwards, he showed, here's one frame too fast, and you see it. It's a little off. Here's one frame too slow, and here's what we actually went with. And you just – that eye of how it became natural. I don't know how many years they spent on this, but this was his passion project. I'm sure he made a ton of money, too. But this was his passion. He loves everything about the World War, uh, the Great War, World War I, um, as, since he was a kid. And they, they – I don't know, man, but Peter Jackson is about – WIDA is all about pioneering and pushing forward technology. And I don't know how they did it, but it was fucking phenomenal. And when they got to the – the parts where they were going out and actually doing the raids, you know, the, the rushes on the Germans. Um, and there was some footage of that. And I, you're sitting there and I, I had a moment was like, this is what it'd feel like if time, if time travel were real, where you could not mess with the past, this is what it'd feel like. Cause they were doing a little bit of slow-mo is a little blurry. Cause it's old footage. It's like, this is me observing history as it happens is what it felt like. And it was so good. I don't know how they did it. But the whole story, there's not one single outside the time era voiceover. All the voiceovers were from surviving people who were in those front lines who the BBC brought in in the 60s and 70s and recorded their interviews about and got them just to tell the graphic stories and what they saw and what they felt. And he got all of that audio and that's the storyline for the whole thing. And it's amazing. Is that like limited release? Yeah. Because like I haven't heard a damn thing about that. Yeah, it, it apparently it came out on the anniversary of, of the end of the war. Okay. Uh, 2018, because the war was uh, 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 1914, 1918. Uh, so it came, they, they had it ready to come out on that day. Then they re-released it again, apparently, last October for Armistice Day or something. And then now I just happened across it. I just happened across it in, on Facebook and shot it to my wife because we like, you know, uh, Fathom Events and those kind of things. I said, you need to line this up with your dad. And it was here for a week and a half. And it's only at certain theaters. And again, you know, like on a Sunday, they showed it two times on a Sunday. That's such a solid pickup. 
It, it was good. And I don't know. It's the BBC who owns it. So I have no idea if they'll ever put it out on DVD or Blu-ray or anything like that. But if you get a chance, you should check it out. You don't even have to be a war buff. It was just the storytelling. And there, and my kids, it was a situation where the older kids really wanted to see it. My father-in-law wanted to see it. I wanted to see it. My wife wanted to see it. You can't leave the two little ones at home by themselves. They're six and five right now, or seven and, and about these six. Uh, so we took them with us, knowing that there's going to be stuff that we might explain, you know, whatever. They've been pretty good with films. They watched the shit out of this. And my only guess, because it's not action. It's just a whole lot of real footage and storytelling. And there's just magic in an honest to God story being told by the people who are there. And that's the only thing I can figure captivated them uh, was that, that energy that's behind telling that story. So I, I hope. I hope I can get some eyes on it at some point somewhere. Yeah. Because that's that's really just right up my alleyway. Like Ken well, Burns The yeah. War. I yeah. can watch I can watch that one ever. Yeah. So now you take that and just add it is instead of being Ken Burns, it's actually people who are sitting there and Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking wonderful. And there's some graphic I mean you you see somebody die in this film. You know, this bomb goes off and they don't get up. You know, you and it's not it didn't glorify that. Or, I just you don't even realize it if you're not paying attention. That's what happened. But um, it's amazing. I'm playing. And so. Yeah, that's all the good stuff I've been watching um, playing. I've been working on Borderlands, a pre-sequel on uh, GST, GSTU media on Twitch uh, lunch on uh, days that I can get the time to do it. This week's gotten busy, but I did it uh, Monday. And I'm very bad at it. Very bad. <laughs> Which kind of lends to its own humor. Um, it, it is not going well. And Paul and Nicole are almost characters in that game because they're in the chat just like, way to go, buddy. You're down again. Paul's always like, get up, buddy. <laughs> like, hey, I went to sleep and came back here. You're, you're dying again. Okay. That's you why know? I need to have me on to save your ass. Yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> you cannot save a man that drives the truck into lava, though. <laughs> I'm the one. Not, not if I'm the one that's driving. That's true. He's got a point there. Uh, and and doing it from my office at work, I don't have a controller right now. And I Are you doing that at work? Yeah, yeah. I do the lunch rush from my office at work. I have the greatest job in the world, man. My boss loves it. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm always working through lunch anyway. I'm going to take my lunch hour and just do streaming. He's like, awesome. Can I watch? I'm like, sure. You know, and he's in his office watching me stream from my office. Nice. So it's, a, it's a really great place to be. Um, and uh, by, I make excuses by the fact that I'm getting re getting used to mouse and keyboard again, so that's that's uh, my excuse. But uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm really having a rough time with the pre sequel. So uh, come watch me do that, and I'm, I'm going to try to get some Nautica running uh, well and, and play some of that, and then uh, Borland. I you. cannot wait to watch you play some Nautica. Um, it'll probably be Monday, but that might be my next. Well, it's going to be glorious. I'll, I'll fire that up. It's going to be so good. So, uh, on a streaming front, I get to order my streaming computer tomorrow. Yay. And that's going to be straight keyboard and mouse. And then this controller will go to the office and live there. So, but I did order a gaming mouse. To, but yeah. So. Well, no, if, if you set it up correctly, you can link your PlayStation controllers to your computer. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know, look, I know. Because uh, like, there, there's some games that it's just it's better. Like Cuphead. When I played and streamed Cuphead, huh? I had to I had to get my PlayStation controller into it because a platformer on mouse and keyboard yeah. just is not right. 
all right. So I might just have to buy an extra controller. And thank you. Cause I, I do, uh, like, I'll fire up Borderlands 2, and that controller is just in my hand. That's just the way it is. Uh, but Subnautica will not work with a controller. It's just not doing right with it, even though it has an option for it. So I'm hoping that the, the new setup will, will work with that. That's what I've been working on this week and playing. Uh, we have a new theme song from Gozer and for the show, and we're very happy to announce that. And uh, hopefully I got to get that to Mike, and hopefully that will go out on the front and end of this episode. Nice. So very happy. Uh, follow them over at Gozer underscore music on all social media. Now, to get you streaming, Scott, <laughs> besides playing with me, you can. You said you want to do some music streaming. Uh, while I'm doing my failed attempt at playing the game, you can be like doing bass lines, like, you know, <laughs> emphasizing the stupidity of what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, Scott, where can we find you and all your creative? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, you can find me at SBM Base on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my band is Disciples of Danger. You can find us at Disciples of Danger on Twitter, Instagram. We stream every, uh, usually every Saturday on uh, twitch.tv slash Sensei Hollywood. Um, and you should go and check out that stream anyway. That's our guitar player. He's also uh, my first audio teacher. Um, and he streams uh, different music stuff throughout the week. And then we usually stream the band stuff on Friday, either writing a new song or playing through other songs um you can catch out you can catch my audio drama the blood crow stories on itunes uh stitcher wherever podcasts are streamed um we're in the middle of season three by the time this comes out uh episode eight of season three will have come out um really proud of where it's going and uh so season three is set in the neon lodge it's you know, kind of a Blade Runner type feel, but with uh, biblical demons. So nice. this season's this season's a lot of fun uh, for me, especially because I get to play with and I get to make demon voice make actors sound like demons. Wait, yeah. you you like demon voices? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Shut up. Mute that dog. There's no there's no news about that. He is not summoned. We're good. Oh no 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 no. Yeah, see, he's even listening enough to know. No, what no, no. My my demon voices are much better. Sorry. Ah! <laughs> well played. Um, yeah, but, um, you can, yeah, and you can check out uh, the uh, Blood Crow Stories at TBCS Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And you're going to be at DragonCon this year live doing the show, and you'll be there personally as well doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I'll be – we'll have our – this will be our third year at DragonCon. Uh and not exactly sure what we'll be doing yet, but we'll definitely be bringing something new to the table uh, this year. And then I'll be at the audio table pretty much the rest of Dragon Con, most likely, uh, if not getting drunk at the, at the uh, botched house. No, we're, we're doing a no drink Dragon Con this year. It's going to be a nice social experiment. Shit. Right. Uh-huh. We're, we're, anyway, we're, we're a new. But show. yeah, I'll be a. I'll I'll definitely be helping out with DragonCon this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I will give a caveat to anybody who gets invited back to the Botch House. That is not for young players. You better be a goddamn pro at drinking and partying. Bring oh, your and, own bread. You oh, and bring your own gotta, bread. Definitely got to bring your own bread. Oh, and just as a as a disclaimer, if you don't like if you don't like uh, LGBTQ plus content. Then you're probably not 
not going to like the podcast, and you can just fuck off. Oh, yeah, fuck your I gotta say about that's, that. that's that's their tagline, Blood Crow Stories. If you don't like it, fuck off. Fuck Pretty much. in Pennsylvania, Dennis Robinson just went, what? Who <laughs> 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 just shouted at me? <laughs> Where can we find you, Paul? You can find me over at Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash SoapboxGSTU. I have been streaming a lot lately. Uh, I was going to stream yesterday, and I was promised a botch stream that never came together, so I'm a little pissed at some fuckhead sat at the bar. Hey, uh, well, unbeknownst to everybody in the world, but if we want to put our laundry out, um, you know, I had to take care of some show business. That's Oh, I was just. Fucking oh, what something. happened? Still so getting weird. Oh, wow, that is censorship, and it's. Yeah, uh, you can. You, damn it, Dennis! You can catch me over there on the Twitch channel. I've been streaming a bunch lately. Uh, if you follow my Twitter, you'll see when I'm going live. I've been doing a duo stream, as we mentioned earlier, with Nicole zero nine 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 one, and we have been duo streaming Minecraft. And I died a bunch. There's some awesome clips over on my channel uh, that are funny. Check them out. <laughs> they are. Fuck Phil, fuck you, fucko. Sides at the bar and under the bridge in a box. Where can we find you? Uh, I stream four days a week. Saturday, I'm on Botched. Sunday, I'm at GSTU Media. Monday, Imaginary Nomad. And Tuesday, at Imaginary Nomad. And we actually did stream on Botched last night. Um, you did? Oh, yeah. we Everyone was there but one. So I guess that's his own fault that he didn't want to show up. But, you know. That's that's his problem. Um, and then you can find me and uh, t- t- playing Tetris. It's the blocks. Measuring no man. You gotta go scratch that. She's probably playing Thanks. Tetris right now. I think no, I see Tetraminas in your glasses. <laughs> I, I'm right actually now. watching a. I'm watching a stream of someone play Tetris. Ah, see, you're scratching. <laughs> fucking yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'll. I certainly won't do the coke, but I'll buy it for you and watch you do it. <laughs> Philip, you're full of shit. There's no VOD for last night. No, Fuck there off. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> they turned off that feature. They didn't want yeah, you. Yeah, I, I deleted it because I don't want you to <laughs> yeah. feel bad. Anyway, uh, just imaginary nomad anywhere. And I'm Rock Out of Podcasting all across social media at Rock Out of Pod on Twitter. Uh, right now, I'm doing two streaming channels. I'm on GSTU Media. On Twitch, just GSTU Media, where we're doing the Sunday night playthroughs. Where I'm doing my Sunday afternoon uh, stream, and then I do the lunch rushes there till we hit affiliate, maybe or actually till we hit partner. We're gonna push for partner with that one. Uh, and also Thursdays, I'm doing Marvel Strike Force reviews and playthroughs with Kurt Booten on uh, FTH Beyond, which is also a podcast, but it's twitch.tv forward slash FTH Beyond. And the podcast is FTH Beyond if you like Marvel Strike Force or you think you might like a new Marvel game, that's the best way to check it out is we give some news and reviews and playthroughs and open cool stuff and all that jazz. So uh, we're almost, we're in the prelude to the countdown to Chris Wisdom returning. We've got a generic target right now. So we've got to dial in when that motherfucker comes in, but we are we are eagerly holding our breath and waiting the days for him to come back and uh, be a part of the show. But. Fuck that dude! Yeah, speak for yourself. I I'm not eagerly awaiting any dumb dick who pronounces. Oh gift. my god! You know he's gonna come back with a fucking notebook, right? Yeah. You know that. No, he's not even listen. He's gonna come back. Listen, then hit us with the notebook. Uh, yeah, no, fuck that dude.
I can say Christmas. Love and you. It's easy when you're coming.